All right. Hi, writers. I am so excited to bring you today's guest, Madeline Mann. You may have already seen her on YouTube or TikTok. Her brand, Self Made Millennial, is exploding because she's giving extremely valuable career advice. I myself have sharpened my client discovery calls by using her interview tips. And after attending her free masterclass, 10X Your Personal Brand, I knew I wanted to interview her because she has such incredible insights on how to leverage LinkedIn to effectively market yourself and your skills. So Madeline Mann is an HR and recruiting leader. She's best known for her award-winning job search brand, Self-Made Millennial. And Mann's job search coaching programs have led to thousands of success stories. And her work has been featured on so many awesome publications, ABC, Bloomberg, New York Times, just to name a few. No big deal. So welcome, Madeline. How are you today? So good. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to share you with my audience. Um, I'm really impressed by the amount of valuable information that you generously share with your audience. And it's clearly paying off from how massive your audience is. And whenever I come across someone like you who's killing it in this space, I always wonder what their journey was and how they got there. And I know that like me, your career started at a tech startup. So can you share what it was about your experience and people ops that inspired Self-Made Millennial and your entrepreneurial journey? Yes, it was when I was leading human resources at a tech company And I was in every interview debrief. I was reading so many resumes. I was a part of every conversation when it came to who is getting promoted, who is getting fired, all of the intricacies of the business. And what I realized is that professionals would be able to move up so much more quickly in their career and and have a career that actually lights them up if they really understood what was happening behind the scenes. And so I took to YouTube. I just thought, why don't I share this information? And I just started posting videos without really an intention for this to become a business or anything. And there was just such a lack of information out there at the time that was highly actionable. Everything was generic. It was saying things like you should network, you should, you know, make sure you follow up. It's just, it's like, okay, but how, what are, what are the tactics? Give me, give me it to, to me straight. And it also was very dry. So I like to bring a little bit of playfulness, a bit goofy, like a bit of comedy to, to elements as well, because the job search and all the career stuff is pretty draining. And so it ultimately, I started posting my videos on LinkedIn and, uh, and really I started studying the algorithm there. And I realized that LinkedIn is one of the best platforms to grow your audience, to make money, to get that virality that so many other platforms stifle. And so I ended up really growing a great following there. Um, I now have, if you're familiar with the LinkedIn learning platform on LinkedIn, I have four courses on there as well. So I'm able to get like revenue from that. Um, And it's just been a really great way for me to totally escalate my business. And like I said, like it wasn't even a business. It just ended up being so successful that I ended up leaving my job. And now I have a team of like, you know, a whole whole team and with full-time employees and everything leading the charge. That is so amazing. Um, Many of my listeners are aspiring to transition from nine to five to full-time freelance. And one thing I teach my students is to leverage their prior professional background, whatever that was, 
as this value proposition to their clients as a freelancer. So for me, I used to sell tech. So when I pivoted to freelancing and became a technology copywriter, I always emphasized to my clients, hey, I used to be a sales rep and that allows me to empathize with your audience. And that allowed me to get my foot in the door, even though I didn't have concrete writing experience. So while new freelancers probably also don't have that writing experience, I want them to understand that their prior work experience, whatever their last career was, can be a huge selling point to their clients. So can you share a bit about the glory formula that you created that helps career changers position their backgrounds on LinkedIn um, in their interviews? Yes. So one of the things that is really important for if you're interviewing for a company, trying to get a job, or if you're trying to get a client, it's the exact same thing because it all stems from human psychology is what too many people do is if you're writing your LinkedIn profile, if you're writing a resume, if you're writing, you know, whatever, often people start with, okay, so what has been my career path and what has been my story and what industries have I worked in? But really what's important is focus on where you're going next. Who are your next clients? What's your next job? And then build the way you market yourself backwards from that. So if you're like, if you want to become a a technology writer, copywriter, you wouldn't necessarily talk about your past experience working in hospitality. Like maybe that was something that really defined who you are and built, you know, work ethic and all those things, but instead you would reposition your skills. And so that's what the glory formula is is that we, when we use this, this process in my programs, it's not that we, you know, think about, oh, you know, Christine, tell me all the wonderful things that you've accomplished. No, it's like, Christine, where are you going? All right. We're going to build your story back from that. We're going to build a sales page, not a Wikipedia page of everything you've ever done. I love that sales page versus Wikipedia page. That's such a great reframe. Okay. Something my listeners also struggle with is the headline on LinkedIn. And I watched one of your YouTube videos from around 2018 about headline examples. And you suggested using this formula, which is their role, their industry, or their area of expertise and their unique value. And do you still suggest this approach? And what advice would you give listeners on how to create that compelling LinkedIn headline? I know that's a lot in one question. So let me just reiterate, is that the right approach for the headlines in today's day? Because LinkedIn is constantly shifting and what is the best way to create this headline? What's so important with the LinkedIn headline is make the headline reflect the value you add to the world, not necessarily your most recent role. So if you, uh, you said you worked in sales at, in, in a technology company, if you're trying to be a, a technology copywriter, your headline would not say sales in it, um, unless that was really relevant to the, the, the copy you were writing. You would brand yourself as technology copywriter, like claim it because, because the thing is, is your, your headline is the label of, okay, here's, here's the, the service I will add. Here is the value I will add to the world. And that's whether you're trying to be an employee or, or a freelancer. It's so confusing if you're saying, okay, yeah, I was this in the past, but I want to be something new. No, like, you know, make sure that you're labeling yourself properly. So really when you're making that transition 
full on put those right keywords up there um, versus, you know, too often people will put something from their past that again is, is, is way too distracting. That's really big. Um, I know a lot of the writers that I work with are so confused. Like if I brand myself a copywriter and I say that I write blog posts and ads, but I've never done it, isn't that a lie? And I always say what very similar to what you're saying, it, it helps avoid confusion. You're telling them what you will do. Yes. Right. Like it's not false advertising. It's not lying on your resume. Contact me for copywriting roles, like done. Like that's basically what you're saying. And I wouldn't phrase it that way. I would just put, you know, copywriter for the technology industry or technical topics or whatever it is. Um, whatever is the right phrasing, but that's exactly it. It's not a lie because why would, why would a company it's just, yeah, exactly. It's just, it's being clear. It's about being clear about your next step. And so that people know the reason to come to you. Love it. Um, one thing I want writers to know about LinkedIn is that you can build your entire freelance business using this one platform for free. And I was able to build my freelance business on LinkedIn without a content strategy, and I sometimes think the fact that I went into tech allowed me to get away with that because tech is just really in demand. So for my listeners who are in a more competitive niche, I have a lot of people who are in health and wellness and kind of the more fun niches, I would say, um, how can they really stand out and attract inbound leads? Where do they even begin when it comes to creating content on LinkedIn? Oh my gosh. So I feel like for copywriting, it's such a good niche to be to be posting on LinkedIn. I mean, even every post you create is a work sample. Uh, so it really is incredible. The organic reach on LinkedIn is absolutely insane. I mean, the if you compare it, especially to something like Instagram, where typically only your followers or, or a certain number of people see it, but LinkedIn, it really reaches to your second, third, fourth degree connections. So it's incredible. So what I would say there is um, really... Uh, really starting to study the platform. I think that what too many people do is they take their insights from other platforms like say Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and they just repurpose that for LinkedIn. And then it fails and they're confused. And um, I spent multiple years studying the LinkedIn platform. And it was only until I really unlocked the formula that I started seeing my, my hyperbolic growth. And so uh, I know you've seen my, my masterclass on how to 10 X your personal brand on LinkedIn. I definitely recommend folks watching that to get like this, this introduction, because that really, it really kind of starts you to makes you to realize, um, yeah, you need to start posting on LinkedIn and not just be regular, but really make sure you have the right framework that you're showing up the right way with, with posts that really resonate with folks. Yeah, that's huge. I even noticed with LinkedIn, just the formatting of those posts. You're right. If you take an Instagram caption and try to slap that on LinkedIn, there really are differences. Even something as little as I, I noticed with LinkedIn, people will say, okay, here's the post. If you want the link, it's in the comments down yeah, below. Yeah. So there's little nuances like that and how you get people to engage. So I love the advice of studying the platform and writing specifically for the platform. And as writers, we need to understand stuff like that as it is. So I love that. Speaking of your masterclass, <laughs> 
10 extra personal brand. So mm-hmm. you shared something which I kind of resonate, not kind of, I really resonated with. Um, when you first started posting on LinkedIn, people would come up to you at networking events and comment like, Hey, I see you're posting on LinkedIn a lot, but there was no compliment or encouragement. And maybe it even felt like there was a little judgment. I think this is a huge stumbling block, this insecurity of what other people are going to think. If you start posting on LinkedIn, I know it was even for me, I struggled to update my LinkedIn to tell my network that I was being, you know, becoming a freelancer. I had all these ideas of what my past employers and colleagues were going to think of me. Like, what's Christine doing now? She's hopping all over the place. Now she's doing this. So how can we get past the judgment of what our friends and our colleagues might think of us posting on LinkedIn? Christine, that is such a good question and something that constantly holds people back. And the thing is, is, yeah, we always think about that. And it's like, also, what if this freelancer thing doesn't work out? Like you just already announced it to everyone and then you end up going back and it, oh, that's, that, that could be embarrassing. Uh, here's the thing is, you know, it does take a bit of courage, but you also realize that when I first started, you know, posting, I just realized I was nobody, right? Like I was, I was, I had so little to lose. Sure. There was, there's, you know, people who knew me, people in my network, but really, you know, who cares? You know, we think, we think that people think of us so much, but they really don't. And they just often just want to cheer us on. And they're like, okay. And I feel like now more than ever, becoming a freelancer is such a viable option and such a common path that you should be absolutely proud of it. You also absolutely be proud if you do, do freelance and you go back to full-time and you go back to freelance. And it's just like, you just need to embrace your, your pattern and go for it. And it, it's just, it, it is like something to, to kind of overcome, but you realize once you do it, you'll actually probably be upset that you didn't do it sooner. Yeah, the regret of not going after it will eventually be way more painful than any perceived judgment. You know, it's so funny you say that about like people don't really think too much about us. I think that's the hard part about being human is that we need to hype ourselves up to a certain extent and say, I am somebody, I do have an opinion, but then also balance it out with, hey, nobody cares. (laughs) So that's a very hard balance to strike, right? (laughs) That's so true. I think those are the two things that people struggle with is they say, everything's already been said on LinkedIn. Like, what am I going to contribute that's new? And then the other set, other side of everyone's going to notice I'm posting on LinkedIn. Everyone's going to care. It's like, it's both, both are paralyzing. Um, we just have to say, doesn't matter. Like, you know, fail in public, do it, make it happen. And it's, it's all going to work out. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who was saying like, who am I to post thought leadership on LinkedIn? Like there's a million real experts out there. Who am I to do this? Yes, this is so common. And what I say to that is a lot of times people want someone who is actually going along the journey with them. Um, so, you know, if, even if you like, let's say you started this podcast when you had just started being a freelancer, your experience going into freelancing for the first time is extremely valuable to people who haven't made that step yet. And actually you would be much more relatable than maybe someone who has been doing it for, you know, two decades and has like this massive team who they outsource to. And, and so actually 
you, us all sharing our lived experiences is, is different than being like requiring that we're some sort of expert because we're actually much more approachable. We can often cut through the noise much more clearly and people trust us more. And so really, and it's interesting because now my, 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 following has gotten to a size where I've kind of lost that. I've like lost that, like, you know, she's with me. So they're like, no, you know, she's, she feels separate. So you need to actually, it's actually like a, it's actually an advantage when you start out to have that, that connection. I love that. That's such great motivation that, you know, you don't have to be the utmost expert. You are going to reach an audience that wants somebody at that moment who is in the trenches with them, who is yes. more accessible. So I love that. Um, on the topic of thought leadership on LinkedIn, I once had a client ask me to create posts, thought leadership posts for their CEO on LinkedIn. This is a common request that freelancers get because busy CEOs don't have time to write a well-written post on LinkedIn. So I just remember this one project I had and the client literally just screenshotted some other posts from another uh, chief marketing officer, um, a very well-known guy, and just said, we want something like this, do this. And this is a terrible marketing decision on their part, but it's actually really common. Um, Having a well-laid-out content strategy is really rare, believe it or not. So writers are assigned this work without that solid strategy, without an actual goal behind it, because a lot of companies just point and say, I want to do what they're doing on, on LinkedIn. Let's do what they're doing. Can you tell me what actually goes into creating effective thought leadership? Is there a formula or there common mistakes that thought leaders are making that you see that you could educate us on that we can avoid them? Yeah. One thing that's been interesting and one question I get all the time is, you know, if I'm on LinkedIn, should I post as a company page or should I post as the CEO's page or the chief marketing officer's page? And time and time again, I have seen the posting as a CEO or the chief marketing officer as being uh, more uh, high performing, more accessible because there's a human face behind it. But the thing about the human face, there's also a bit of a personality and a tone behind it. And that's kind of one of the things that really helps the post to perform better. And one of the the ingredients that helps a post to perform is a perspective or an opinion. It's not simply saying, you know, with marketing, it's important that you consider your customers, but you can also do this or this or this. And which would you choose? And you're like, okay, you just kind of presented a topic for everyone to discuss, but you didn't actually take a stand and say, well, I believe like the, the top form of marketing is going to be this coming in 2023 and like all that stuff. So, so what is so important there? And I think the piece, and it's so fascinating hearing you talk about this is the piece that's missing from those executives is okay. Like give me your hot takes. Like if you want to be like this person, you better be reading, uh, you know, several books a month. You better be on top of podcasts for your industry. Like these posts don't just come about from someone who doesn't work in your industry or doesn't work in your profession and they just come up with it. Like really these, these thoughtful, insightful, even very concise posts come from these insights. Now this could come from an executive speaking into a voice memo and then someone who's a copywriter really putting that into exactly like, you know, I have, I have this five viral triggers formula for LinkedIn, what they put into that, that formula. 
and then everyone's happy. But really, you need to come in with that perspective. That is what's huge to thought leadership is people are not going to throw a like on something unless they're actually agreeing to something. I love that. And writers, what I really want you to take away from that is go into calls with clients and be confident enough to push back. If somebody gives you an assignment that's super vague, it's okay to say, Hey, wait a minute. I need more direction on this. I need, I need you to have a a controversial opinion that we can create a, uh, an interesting post on. And that's something a lot of new writers struggle with because we assume that marketers, they're giving us assignments and we need to complete that assignment, no questions asked. And uh, if you can actually go into these conversations with your clients with what you were saying, did you say it was five triggers? Yes, five viral triggers, exactly. Five viral triggers. If you had a format writers like that to go into those calls with the client and say, I can make your job easier. I want to create this and I want to create it in your tone of voice, but I need X, Y, and Z from you. I need these five points. Then you convert or you transform from just a writer to more of a consultant and more of somebody who's bringing real value as a copywriter. That's something I really want to hammer home to copywriters is take on the role of consultant. It's not just you being an order taker. You need to come to the table with your ideas, with, you know, your marketing concepts already in your mind. You don't have to be an expert marketer, but you need to understand your client's main objectives and tease certain things out of them. So I love that. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so true. Yeah. I've no one could see me, but I was like scrubbing in my chair when you were describing that they're, they're screenshotting things and saying, do this for me, because that is just absolutely impossible. I do have like help with my social media, but everything still comes from my voice. And that is so important. Yeah. I feel like you could have, a, you, you definitely have a lot of good insight because I'm sure you are outsourcing to copywriters um, and your, your stuff is amazing. So, but yeah, I mean, that's good insight that you would not just rely on a virtual assistant or a, a writer to just know this stuff, right? Like you have to take the time to train them correctly and give them what they need to create a post. And I think as a new, a newer freelancer, I just assumed that if I showed any lack of knowledge or if I couldn't figure mm-hmm. it out myself, that that would make me look bad. So I just kept quiet. And I think I just want writers to understand that like these probing questions, like insightful questions can actually make you appear way more knowledgeable, like just asking the right questions. Exactly. That's exactly it. The questions. And, and as I've gotten to know other people in my niche, I I said at the beginning that I just noticed a lot of the career advice was generic out there. And, you know, I've gotten to know all these people and they, they tell me straight up, they're like, yeah, my YouTube video, I just outsource it. And, you know, someone else writes it based on articles they read. And that's the, the advice I give. And that is how you have a generic brand is if you have, if you're relying on copywriter who is an amazing writer, but doesn't have the expertise um, and so that's something you can tell your clients of like, this is your, you know, you, we really need that secret sauce. And I think that's, that's why people have gravitated towards my brand of, of it is always me. And it's always from, okay, here's a real life experience that I can point to not just, oh yeah, I just read this article about how thank you notes are good. Okay. Can you spin up something on thank you notes? And it's completely generic. 
Yeah, that that's one of the things I loved about your videos is that you have your own personal stories um, speckled in. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I actually I have a swipe file of like really compelling copy that I see all over the internet. So if it's like an email subject line or something, yes. um, and I I remember I screenshotted um, one of yours because it was a story about how you um, had an offer rescinded, I believe. Yeah. Am I am I thinking of the right thing here? Yeah, that that was me. Yep. It was like the subject line was. Um, they took the job offer back, not like those exact words. And then it was like, I'm okay now, but it was like, I was like, oh, that's like a hundred percent open. Like I'm dying to know what your open rate was on that. As right, a marketer. Right. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, okay. Let's talk about LinkedIn features for a moment. So I tell my students when they first get on LinkedIn to not get really overwhelmed with every functionality of LinkedIn and just stick with the absolute basics in the very beginning to not get overwhelmed um, one, one update I'm really not a fan of is this open to work, uh, stamp on your profile photo. What's your opinion on that feature? <laughs> Just asking. So I will tell you this, that it's, it's not, I don't, I don't, I'm not in favor of either. And the thing is no one really cares if you're open to work or not. They care what you can do for them. So when you are posting on LinkedIn and you also have your profile all optimized to be this amazing, you know, freelancer, copywriter, that is what people care about. What can you offer me and you having a LinkedIn profile where when I go there, I know exactly where to click to set up a call or or to sign up on an online form or whatever is your call to action. That is what matters. Um, You want a job? cool. Well, I want, you know, a sales page that converts, right? Like, so, so show me that. So I think that that's something that, you know, uh, and also, I mean, you and I come from tech, which we know that passive talent is like the Holy grail. Everyone's always looking for passive talent. Always, everyone's always trying to steal each other's talent from different companies. And they think, oh, well, if that person's happy and successful there, then that's probably the best person to steal. So being open to work is not that big of something to say because everyone's always trying to steal each other's talent. And at any given moment, uh, LinkedIn actually released the statistic uh, a few years ago, but at any given moment, 80% of people are open to entertaining another job opportunity. So again, saying you're open to work doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. To me, and I don't know if you agree, it almost has like an air of desperation kind of like, it's like, I'm wide open. I, I always tell my my writers, when they're booking calls with meetings, like a discovery call with a new freelance client, it's a first introduction. I say, throw out three maximum, three available times and dates. Do not say I am wide open. It's just not a good vibe to say I'm open to work. I'm available for anything. Cause then people start to wonder, well, why are you so available? Why are you not in demand? Um, I think they rolled that feature out right during the pandemic, right? When everybody was getting laid off. So guys, I keep seeing a lot of freelancers, a lot of writers with that on their profile. It's totally up to you, but I would just say maybe don't do it. That's just my opinion. I wanted Madeline's expert opinion. So do with that what you will. What feature of a LinkedIn profile, Madeline, makes the biggest difference for personal branding on LinkedIn Um, and what's one that's kind of overlooked? What's one that you keep seeing that people are not taking advantage enough of? 
your current role title. Mm, okay. That is highly optimized for search. And so if you are a freelancer, you know, what, what would people be searching in order to get your skill set? right? So often people will put owner, founder of your own freelance thing. No one's searching for owner or founder. No one's going to find you. Um, you, yeah, you probably want to put, you know, technology copywriter or, or whatever is, is the, the term that you think will help to get people. So just make sure that your current title, and maybe it's that you have, like I had a side hustle, right? Cause that's how I built my company, but I had my side hustle as a current job. And I also had my full-time job as a current job. So you can still have your freelance one and it could even be below, um, you know, your, your most recent job, but like the, the job titles matter so much more than most people think. That's huge. Also the company page that is a, so this is a big error. They see a lot of freelancers make they, instead of, uh, because we're going freelance, it doesn't say full-time it's they choose the self-employed option. And when you click on self-employed, it brings the user to a generic company page where a thousand other people have listed themselves as self-employed and they miss out on that opportunity to create their own company page. And for me, I didn't, I don't have my own LLC as a freelancer. I'm a sole proprietor and I have a very, you know, cheap logo made, but it does link out to a company page that has my freelancing website. So if people click that little square next to my title, they'll actually be directed to more information and a a link to my website. Do you get, do you know what I'm saying with the self-employed thing? Yes. Yeah. And you don't actually even have to choose one of those options. Um, You don't have to choose part-time, full-time. You can just leave that blank. And yeah, exactly. Um, Always create a company page. Um, I think it takes exactly three clicks to create a company page. Everyone always like thinks it's some sort of, you know, thing you have to apply for. No, you know, it's, it's a weird hidden feature. Like it's not an obvious place. So Google it if you're unconfused about how to do this, but you click, you create it and um, just put, yeah, there's a lot of websites that will put together like a really, like a free logo put the free logo up there for now. And then if you want to get like a real logo later, do it. But, um, as you're saying there, it kind of like has like these, these rectangles on there and that doesn't look very good. So yeah, exactly. Having your own logo on there, uh, building the company page, making sure it's linked to your actual page. You're, you're only increasing the likelihood that people are going to take action. Got it. One more question. I'm going to end on this note. It wasn't um, something we discussed. We're going to go a little off the cuff, but you mentioned the side hustle and I have uh, a lot of aspiring freelance writers reaching out to me saying, I want to market myself on LinkedIn, but I don't want my current company to see that I'm open to other opportunities and looking to create this side hustle. I suggest two approaches. One is to just do it and say to yourself, well, they're probably not looking too closely at my LinkedIn profile or to create an entirely separate LinkedIn profile, maybe with a different last name that your current company wouldn't necessarily think like, what is your opinion on that? Do you face, I'm sure you experience that with your students too. Yeah, I would say that um, I would definitely recommend keeping the same LinkedIn profile and going for it. Now, obviously it depends on what type of company you're at. 
Um, if you're at a really large Fortune 500 company, they might say you, you cannot, like, especially if there's anything competitive with what you're doing or, or any sort of, you know, conflict of interest, you're right. That is a very tricky situation that you're going to need to work out with them. Um, but a lot of companies, especially I, I worked at mostly growth stage companies, just having, having a side hustle has become more and more normal and you just go for it. Right. Like I announced my YouTube channel to the company. I was like, yeah, I'm going for it. Like it's going to be fun. And my, also my, my intention was never to leave the company. It just got to the point where it got so big, but, um, yeah, I think, I think you just, I think people overthink again, you know, how, what, what's going to happen and whatnot. And in the end, be really good at your job. Like they are not going to try to get rid of you. If you're really good at your job, like if you're great at your job and, and you're, you're, you're executing everything there and you have a side hustle, what can they say? Right. Like they're not going to talent is at a premium, especially if you're a copywriter. I mean, that is such a valuable skill set. Um, so yeah, I, I think go for it. That's what I did. And that's why I see so many people do. Yeah. I love that advice. And you're right. Uh, companies are so embracing these multi-talented people who, I mean, it's just the new way of things. Mm -hmm. Most people, not most people, but many people are starting side hustles. And if anything, it really proves your versatility and your interest and your motivation, but you also do have those old fashioned companies who are like, we don't want you getting distracted from what you're doing here with us. So it is a hard balance, but I, I, I do agree that the best security, the best job security is to be really good at your job and for them to look at that and be like, well, we hope we don't lose you because you'd be amazing. I mean, you're, right. you're amazing and we don't want to lose you. So that's exactly it. Well, Madeline, thank you so much for your time. This has been amazing. Um, can you tell us or tell writers where they can find you and what's the best way to engage with you? Completely. So definitely follow me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Madeline man. Uh, I also have madelineman.com is my website and I definitely recommend going. It's also, it's on the front page of my website. I think it's on the front page of my LinkedIn as well. Watch that how to 10 X your personal brand on LinkedIn webinar. Okay. I give a lot of tips on there. It's totally free to, to register for that. And so I think that your audience is going to get a ton of value where we go into a lot of these topics that you're talking about. We go deeper on that of how to really make sure that you're growing your presence on LinkedIn and really converting to uh, a really profitable freelance uh, business. So uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for having me on. You're so welcome. Thank you, Madeline.